0: Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hello, welcome to episode 54 of the Money Love Podcast. How are you guys? Before we dive into the topic today, I just wanna check in with you and ask how you are. I know that I can't hear your response, but I just want you to know that you guys can always reach out to me on Instagram, on the DMs. My handle is PageLPritchard. L. Pritchard. You can contact me by email. You can fill out the contact form on my website at pagepritchard.com. Please don't be shy about reaching out to me if you need anything at all. I actually had a lot of you guys reach out to me after last week's episode all about urges and the urge to spend. You guys really loved that episode and y'all were reaching out to me and sharing pictures with me of your urge jars, which just made me so happy. And also, some of you reached out with questions and clarifications that you wanted from the episode, which I also loved. And please don't ever feel like you can't reach out if you have questions or if you're confused about something. I love taking the time to really help you understand better what we talk about here because it does show me that you're showing up, you're thinking critically. You're looking at how you can apply these tools to your unique situation. And so I just want to say that I'm here for you guys, and I hope you're doing okay. I know that we are still in the throes of this pandemic. It has absolutely been a challenging year for Ryan and I as well. We got some news last week that was very shocking, um, a big change to our personal situation. I know I appreciate it when people check in on me, and so I just want to be someone who indirectly checks in on you. And I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. And if you ever need anything at all, please don't be shy about reaching out. So here's what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about being rich versus being wealthy, which is interesting, right? When you think about it, what does each of these mean? What are the differences between the two? Which one are you right now? And which one do you want to be in the future? We're going to talk about all of those things. And I got the idea for this episode topic from reading the book, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. I have mentioned this book a couple episodes ago. I think it was episode 49. And I am just going to recommend it again to you if you haven't already picked it up, because it really is a fantastic book. It's money advice mixed with human behavior. And so, of course, I just found the book fascinating. I devoured it. But when I mentioned it before, I said that it's one of the best personal finance books that I've read in a really long time, and I mean that. And so if you are looking for a good personal finance book to read, I would highly recommend it. Again, it's called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And there is a chapter in the book. It's chapter nine, and the chapter is called Wealth is What You Don't See. And I'm going to be reading you several excerpts from the book today. But this specific chapter really got me thinking about the difference between being rich and being wealthy, because they are different, but the truth is is that a lot of us don't think of them differently. We think of them as being the same thing. In our society, in our Western capitalistic culture, we are all guided and influenced to have this desire to be rich, to make a lot of money, and then to use that money to buy things. To signal to other people how much money we have, right? Like, oh, look at all this stuff that I have. Look at how rich I am. And we've talked about this in past episodes, right? We've talked about the athletes who have squandered away their multi million dollar contracts. We've talked about the lottery winners who end up filing for bankruptcy. We talked about that tech exec I told you those stories of a couple of weeks ago who was just skipping gold coins into the ocean and later on ended up broke. These people have a lot of money, they are rich. But if you fast forward a couple of years, not only are they usually not rich anymore, they have nothing to show for it. They have no wealth to show from the riches that they once had. So let's start by breaking down the difference between these two terms and then go from there. The most simplistic way that I can explain it is this, is that being rich is tied to how much money that you make. Being wealthy is tied to how much of your money that you keep. Being rich is tied to your income. Being wealthy is tied to your habits and to your behaviors. And there is a popular saying in the personal finance world. I'm certain I've mentioned it on a previous episode, but it says that it's not what you make, but what you keep that matters most. And that saying is the difference between someone being rich and someone being wealthy. So here's just one more way to look at it, okay? Being rich is making a lot of money, Being wealthy is having a lot of money. Rich is current income. Wealth is income not spent. I'm going to say that one more time. Rich is current income. Wealth is the income not spent. Earning money and keeping money are two very different skill sets. Now, like I said, the interesting thing is that our brains like to closely associate the two. They like to attach rich versus wealth. So when you hear of someone making a million dollars a year, we automatically assume, oh, they must be super wealthy and they must have a ton of money. Now, sometimes that is the case, but it's not always the case. There are a lot of examples of rich people who make a lot of money. They have very high incomes, but they're not wealthy, meaning that although they make a lot of money, they don't have a lot of money. And why is this? It's because of their money habits. And behaviors. I'm even going to take it one step further and I'm going to walk us all the way back through the model because those of you who are regulars here on the show, you can follow me on this. What drives our actions and habits and money behaviors? Our emotions, right? Our feelings. Feelings are the fuel that drive the actions that we take and that we don't take. And what creates our feelings? Our thoughts and our beliefs create our feelings, right? So, yes, the difference between being rich and being wealthy can be tied back to your behaviors around money, but the cause of the behaviors are your thoughts and your feelings around money. So in the book, this is the first excerpt I'm going to read you, Hussle says this. He says, someone driving a $100,000 car might be wealthy, but the only data point that you have about their wealth is that they have $100,000 less than they did before they bought the car. And then he says, or $100,000 more in debt. That's all you know about them. We tend to judge wealth by what we see, because that's the information that we have in front of us. We can't see people's bank accounts or brokerage statements, so we rely on outward appearances to gauge financial success. Cars, homes, Instagram photos. But the truth is, wealth is what you don't see. Wealth is the nice cars not purchased, the diamonds not bought, the watches not worn, the clothes foregone. Wealth is the financial assets that haven't yet been converted into the stuff that you see. But that's not how we think about wealth, because you can't contextualize what you can't see. Now, I want to make this distinction right now, okay? It is not a bad thing to want nice things or to have nice things. I don't want that to be the message here. I am here to teach you how to spend money, right? Spend it correctly. And the last thing I want is to instill a sense of guilt or shame or fear in you and make you think, oh, well, even if I have a lot of money, I can't want or I can't buy nice things. No, that's not the point I'm trying to make. What I want you to do is I want you to be making aligned and value-driven purchases that fit within a healthy amount of your total net worth. So are you buying the $100,000 Tesla because the Tesla is something that you really want? It's very closely aligned with yourself, your purpose, your values, or are you buying it because you want to project a certain image or be perceived a certain way by your community and by your peers? Very different. The first decision is being influenced by a love and by an enhancement and an improvement to self. And the other one is being influenced by other people. Also, how much of your net worth are you spending? Like I always say, did you plan the purchase ahead of time? Do you have the money to pay for it, meaning you're not going into debt to pay for it? And will it totally wipe you out? Is it a big portion of your net worth? Or is this something that's a very small portion of your net worth? Those are all important things to take into account. So this isn't to say you can't have nice things. You can't have the bag or fly first class or have the jewelry that you want. It's just saying, what is the motivation behind the purpose and what's the overall impact that the purchase will have to your financial situation? So in the book, Household says this. He says, there are, of course, wealthy people who spend a lot of money on stuff. But even in those cases, what we see is their richness, not their wealth. We see the cars that they choose to buy and perhaps the school that they choose to send their kids to. But what we don't see are the savings, the retirement accounts, or the investment portfolios. We see the homes that they bought not the homes that they could have bought had they stretched themselves thin. So again, very different. It is not inherently bad to desire nice things or to buy nice things. I just don't want you buying the nice things because you think it's going to win the affection or the admiration of other people. If the reason that you're buying something is rooted outside of you rather than within you, and also if it's going to put you in a difficult financial situation moving forward, those are not the purchase decisions that I want you to be making. And those are all things that we need to be evaluating our purchases through because we can clearly see the difference between the two. Now, there was another chapter in the book that was very eye-opening to me. It's chapter eight. It's called The Man in the Car Paradox. It's a really short chapter. It's like a page and a half. And I want to read you the chapter because it talks about this concept of how we buy things in an attempt to influence others' perception of us. And this is also a key differentiator between rich people and wealthy people. Rich people spend money for others, while wealthy people spend money for themselves. Okay, so here we go. Here's the chapter. It says, the best part of being a valet is getting to drive some of the coolest cars to ever touch pavement. So this guy was a valet at a hotel. Guests come in driving Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Rolls Royces, the whole aristocratic fleet. And it was my dream to have one of these cars of my own because I thought they sent such a strong signal to others that you made it. You're smart. You have taste. You're important. Look at me. The irony is that I rarely, if ever, looked at them, the drivers. When you see someone driving a nice car, you rarely think, wow, the guy driving that car is so cool. Instead, you think, wow, if I had that car, people would think that I'm cool. Subconscious or not, this is how people think. There is a paradox here. People tend to want wealth to signal to others that they should be liked and admired. But in reality, those other people often bypass admiring you, not because they don't think wealth is admirable, but because they use your wealth as a benchmark for their own desire to be liked and admired. The letter I wrote to my son after he was born said, you might think that you want an expensive car, a fancy watch, a huge house, but I'm telling you that you really don't. What you really want is respect and admiration from other people. And you think that having expensive stuff will bring it to you, but it almost never does, especially from people that you want to respect and admire you. I learned that as a valet, as I began thinking about all the people driving up into the hotel in their Ferraris watching me gawk. People must gawk everywhere they went, and I'm sure that they loved it. I'm sure they felt admired. But did they know that I did not care about them or even notice them? Did they know that I was only gawking at the car and imagining myself in the driver's seat? Did they buy the Ferrari thinking it would bring them admiration without realizing that I, and likely most others, who are impressed with the car didn't actually give them, the driver, a moment's thought. Does the same idea apply to those living in big homes? Almost certainly. Jewelry and clothes? Yes. My point here is not to abandon the pursuit of wealth or even fancy cars. I like both. But it's a subtle recognition that people generally aspire to be respected and admired by others. And using money to buy fancy things may bring less of it than you imagined. If respect and admiration are your goal, be careful how you seek it. Humility, kindness, and empathy will bring you much more respect than horsepower ever will. Okay, so that is that very short chapter, and it's crazy, right? I read it like three times. And what he's really saying here is when you slow down and you think about it, he is right. Many of us are spending money and buying things in an effort to impress other people. But the truth is that when other people see us with these things... They don't use the fancy material item to think about us like we think that they will. They take the nice car or the nice handbag or the remodeled kitchen and they use it to imagine themselves with it and what it will say about them if they were to have it, right? So have you ever heard someone say like, oh, don't worry, no one's really ever thinking about you as much as you think that they are because everyone is really just worried and thinking about themselves all the time, right? And it's so true. We are all making these spending decisions in an attempt to impress other people so that they will think about us in a certain way. But the irony is that they may think of you as the owner of the item for like a split second, but then they're going to go right back to taking the item and applying it to themselves, to thinking about themselves. So if we come back to the richness versus wealth, this is a big area. Rich people make a lot of money and they spend a lot of what they make. Not on the items that necessarily bring value to them, but what they think will influence their image. They spend the money in an attempt to manipulate the way that people think about them and view them. But the funny thing is that it doesn't actually work, right? And wealthy people do the opposite. Wealthy people are spending money. Yes, of course. But they spend money on things that bring them genuine joy and happiness. They don't care about how it makes them look in the eyes of other people because they're not spending their money in an attempt to impress other people or to show off. They spend money on things that they know will make them happier, healthier, wealthier. Another difference between being rich and wealthy is the capacity to just have money. And if you haven't yet, go listen to episode seven of the podcast. It is called Your Capacity to Have Money. It released about a year ago, but I spent an entire episode talking about just this one concept. And it is a fascinating concept, really. But wealthy people have this skill. They have worked on and they have practiced their capacity to just have money. They can receive money and not immediately need to go out and spend it on something. And I've shared this story many times, but just in case you're new here or you've only listened to the past couple of episodes, my first year out of college, I was making a $60,000 salary, but I was also living at home, so I had virtually no expenses. And I spent that entire year's salary. I spent it on clothes. I spent it on happy hours and eating out and trips. At the end of that year, I had nothing to show for it. I had no money because I had spent all of it. And looking back, knowing this now, I realized that a major cause of impulsively spending all of that money was because I had zero capacity just to have the money. The having of the money was so uncomfortable for me. And so what often would happen is that my money was already spent in my mind before it even hit my bank account. And this is a skill that you're not just born with. You have to work on it. It's something that you have to practice so that your capacity to have money can expand and increase as more money flows to you. But this is a key skill set that wealthy people have that Rich people who end up spending all of their money do not. Wealthy people can have their money. There's no rush. There is no urgency to spend it and to get rid of it as soon as they receive it. And listen, a lot of people say that they want to be a millionaire. They say that they want to have a million dollars, but they don't really mean that. What they're really saying, what they really mean, is that they want to spend a million dollars. They don't actually want to have a million dollars sitting in their bank account. They want all the stuff. That they could buy for a million dollars. And spending a million dollars is, in fact, the opposite of being a millionaire, right? Because once you spend the money, it's gone. Spending a million dollars is not the same thing as being a millionaire. So I ask you if you've ever said that, if you've ever been like, oh, yeah, I do wanna be a millionaire, I wanna make a lot of money, what do you mean? Do you want to just have the money? Do you wanna have a million dollars? Or do you want to spend the million dollars? Do you want a million dollars sitting in your bank account, or do you want to have a million dollars worth of stuff? Again, rich is having a lot of money. Rich is getting the million dollars and then spending it. Wealth is getting the million dollars and then keeping it and having it. Another difference between rich and wealthy is that the wealthy have a priority for their money. They do things in a certain order compared to the rich. The wealthy pay themselves first. They prioritize saving and investing and growing their money so that the money that they have turns into more money. They save first, they spend later. In the book, Household actually says that wealth is an option not yet taken to buy something later. Wealth is an option not yet taken to buy something later. The rich do the opposite. They spend, spend, spend. Possibly saving a little here, a little there, but again, saving isn't their priority. Again, why would it be? Because so many of their purchasing decisions are being driven by other people. And what other people can outwardly see is all the material items, right? So that's what they're concerned with. They're concerned with spending their money on the material items that people can see. But people can't see the savings accounts, the retirement accounts, the investment accounts. Boring, right? So rich people spend and then they save, if at all. Wealthy people save and then they spend. And again, when they are spending money, they are spending money for self, not for others. Another difference between being rich and wealthy is closely related to what we talked about last week in the Urge episode. So, are you the mature, forward thinking adult, or are you the screaming child who wants the candy bar and simply wants to do what feels good all the time? You guys are smart enough to see the correlation here, right? That the wealthy people make decisions with their money that mirror the mature, forward-thinking adult who is the authority. And a lot of rich people make decisions that the five-year-old who's seeking pleasure all the time would make. So are you letting your default brain and default caveman thinking run the show? Are you looking to the short-term always? Are you just doing what feels good in the moment? Are you spending money for entertainment? Are you spending money to get a rush of all those feel-good chemicals to your brain? Are you giving in to that instant gratification always? Or are you using your prefrontal power? Are you in control, acting like you are the authority in your life? Are you making decisions from the human part of your brain, making decisions and developing habits with your money that sacrifice what you want in this moment for what you want most in the future? You practice delayed gratification. You're not using your money for entertainment. When you do spend money, there's no crash. It's planned. There's no guilt. There's no shame. It's intentional. The wealthy care more about tomorrow than they do about today. The rich simply do what feels good today without any thought or concern about the future repercussions. So again, there's another great example from the book that I'm going to read to you. He says, diet and exercise actually offer a useful analogy here. Losing weight is notoriously hard even amongst those putting in the work of vigorous exercise. In his book, The Body, Bill Bryson explains why. He says one study in America found that people overestimate the number of calories they burned in a workout by a factor of four. They also then consumed, on average, about twice as many calories as they had just burned off. The fact is, you can quickly undo a lot of exercise by eating a lot of food, and most of us do. Household then goes back to say, exercise is like being rich. You think, I did the work and I now deserve to treat myself with a big meal. But wealth is turning down that treat meal and actually burning net calories. It's hard and it requires self-control, but it does create a gap between what you could do and what you choose to do that accrues to you over time. Really, what it all boils down to, here's what we can say about the differences between the rich and the wealthy richness is what you see. Wealth is what you don't see. Being rich is like a hot trend that all the kids are doing, but it's fleeting. It's going to be out of style in like a year. But being wealthy is a more low key, but classic look that stands the test of time. It's lasting. Rich people want money so they can spend it. Wealthy people want money so they can have it and keep it and grow it into more money. Rich people spend before they save, and wealthy people save before they spend. Rich people spend money impulsively in an attempt to impress others, and wealthy people spend money intentionally for themselves. They spend money to make their own life better by aligning their spending habits to their highest values and goals and life purpose. Rich people spend money on that right side of the fulfillment curve. That is the point past enough, the point past sufficiency. It's the side of the fulfillment curve that's filled with excess and junk and clutter. And wealthy people spend money up to the top of that fulfillment curve until they reach the point of contentment, but then they don't spend any money past that point. Rich people indulge in instant gratification and they are only concerned with short term pleasure, whereas wealthy people practice delayed gratification and make decisions that are in the highest interest of their future selves. Now, we have to wrap up by talking about this. Are you, and I'm saying you, listening to this, able to become wealthy? And I know that some of you, maybe up into this point in the episode, might be thinking, well, neither of these options are really in the cards for me, because by society's standards, I'm not considered rich, right? I don't make a ton of money And therefore, I can't have either. I'm not going to be rich and I can't be wealthy either. But that's the thing, you guys. This is where our brains try to trick us. Remember that your brain wants to tie these two together, but they're not as correlated and connected as you think that they are. And I want you to know that you can be wealthy without being quote unquote rich. I want you to think of it this way. Think of shoveling dirt into a pile. Now, how much money that you make, your income, how rich you are, will determine the size of your shovel. So obviously, the larger the size of your shovel, the more dirt you can add into the pile with each shovel. Now, in this scenario, there is also not a limit to how long you can shovel. You can shovel as hard and as long as you want. So there are a lot of rich people that have really big shovels, but they never pick up their shovel and start shoveling the dirt into the pile. And if they did, yes, they would be able to amass a big pile probably a lot quicker than someone with a smaller shovel, but they don't because they don't even bother to pick up their shovel and start shoveling. But then there's people with much smaller shovels, but they are shoveling consistently over a long period of time. They don't stop shoveling. And so after 40 years, they have a massive pile of dirt, even though their shovels might be much smaller compared to other people's. The habits, the behaviors, and the commitment to those habits and behaviors is what matters, you guys, not the size of your shovel. And that is why I am always saying that your spending habits, your behaviors, are the most important part. It is the great equalizer in building wealth. There are a lot of people who are rich, but they are not wealthy. And there are a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily be considered rich by society's standards, but they are very wealthy. Now, I do want to make the point that there are rich people who are wealthy. Okay, there are. There are people who make a lot of money and then they manage what they make very well, which then leads to a lot of wealth. Okay, they've got a big shovel and they're shoveling. Riches can lead to wealth if managed properly. Of course it can. And there are many examples of that. But I also want to make sure that it's so clear to all of you that being rich, that making a lot of money and having a high income is not a requirement of being wealthy. There are rich people who do become very wealthy, but there's also a lot of rich people who don't end up becoming very wealthy. Being rich isn't a guarantee of building wealth, right? If you make $100,000 a year and you spend $100,000 a year, well then good for you, but you have nothing left to show for it. So like I said, a lot of us in society standards may not be rich based on our chosen professions and the income bands that those professions fall in. So a kindergarten teacher making 40000 a year is not considered to be as rich as an investment banker who makes $500,000 a year. Now, we can argue whether that's fair or not, but that's the world that we live in. And I guarantee you, though, there are many, many, many examples out there that we could find of the teacher being wealthier than the investment banker. I'm not saying it happens all the time or every time, but it has happened. It can happen. And it's not because of the income. It's because of the habits and the commitment to those habits and the behaviors over a long period of time. So in the book, he says this. He says, savings and living within your means, finances, conservation, and efficiency are parts of the money equation that are more in your control and have a 100% chance of being as effective in the future as they are today. If you view building wealth as something that will require more money or big investment returns, you may become as pessimistic as the energy doomers were in the 1970s. The path forward looks hard and out of your control. But if you view it as powered by your own savings and efficiency, the destiny is clear. Wealth is just the accumulated leftovers after you spend what you take in. And since you can build wealth without a high income, but have no chance of building wealth without a high savings rate, it's clear which one matters more. So what he's saying is, The amount that you save is much more important than the amount that you make. Not all of us will be rich, but all of us have the opportunity to be wealthy. Now, I'm going to read you one last excerpt from the book that I think illustrates this point really, really well. It says this. He says, my favorite Wikipedia entry begins like this. Ronald James Reed was an American philanthropist, investor, janitor, and gas station attendant. Ronald Reed was born in rural Vermont. He was the first person in his family to graduate high school, made all the more impressive by the fact that he hitchhiked campus every day. For those who knew Ronald Reed, there wasn't much else worth mentioning. His life was about as low-key as they come. Reed fixed cars at a gas station for 25 years, and he swept floors at JCPenney for 17 years. He bought a two-bedroom house for $12,000 at the age of 38 and lived there for the rest of his life. He was widowed at age 50, and he never remarried. A friend recalled that his main hobby was chopping firewood. Reed died in 2014 at the age of 92, which is when the humble rural janitor made international headlines. 2.8 million Americans died in 2014. Fewer than 4,000 of them had a net worth of over $8 million when they passed away. Ronald Reed was one of them. In his will, the former janitor left $2 million to his stepkids and more than $6 million to his local hospital and library. Those who knew Reed were baffled. Where did he get all that money? It turned out there was no secret. There was no lottery win and no inheritance. Reed saved what little he could and invested it in blue chip stocks. Then he waited for decades on end as tiny savings compounded into more than $8 million. That's it. From janitor to philanthropist. A few months before Ronald Reed died, another man named Richard was in the news. Richard Fuscone was everything Ronald Reed was not. A Harvard-educated Merrill Lynch executive with an MBA, Fuscone had such a successful career in finance that he retired in his 40s to become a philanthropist. Crane's Business Magazine once included him in a 40 under 40 list of successful business people. But then, like the gold coin-skipping tech executive, everything fell apart. In the mid-2000s, Fuscone borrowed heavily to expand an 18,000-square-foot home in Greenwich, Connecticut that had 11 bathrooms, 2 elevators, 2 pools, 7 garages, and cost more than $90,000 a month to maintain. Then the 2008 financial crisis hit. The crisis hurt virtually everyone's finances. It apparently turned few scones into dust, though. High debt and illiquid assets left him bankrupt. I currently have no income, he allegedly told a bankruptcy judge in 2008. First, his Palm Beach home was foreclosed. In 2014, it was the Greenwich Mansion's turn. Five months before Ronald Reed left his fortune to charity, Richard Fuscone's home, where guests recalled the thrill of dining and dancing atop a see-through covering at the home's indoor swimming pool, was sold in a foreclosure auction for 75% less than an insurance company figured it was worth. Ronald Reed was patient. Richard Fuscone was greedy. That's all it took to eclipse the massive education and experience gap between the two. The lesson here is not to be more like Ronald and less like Richard though that's not bad advice. The fascinating thing about these stories is how unique they are to finance. In what other industry does someone with no college degree, no training, no background, no formal experience, and no connections massively outperform someone with the best education, the best training, and the best connections? I struggle to think of any. It's impossible to think of a story about Ronald Reed performing a heart transplant better than a Harvard-trained surgeon or designing a skyscraper superior to the best-trained architects. There will never be a story of a janitor outperforming the world's top nuclear engineers, but these stories do happen in finances. The fact that Ronald Reed can coexist with Richard Fuscone has two explanations. One is that financial outcomes are driven by luck, independent of intelligence and effort. That's true to some extent. But two, and I think this is more common, That financial success is not hard science. It is a soft skill where how you behave is more important than what you know. Now, I don't read you this story to say, again, that you need to live your life like Ronald Reed. And I know sometimes nowadays we get, oh, he bought a house back in 1950 for $38,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't focus on the numbers, okay? Just focus on the general trends and trajectory of the story. The takeaway from the story is that it shows between comparing these two individuals that it's not what you make, it is what you keep. It's not what you know, it's what you do that matters most with your money. To end, I wanna ask you this. Which of these do you want? Do you wanna be rich or do you want to be wealthy? And really, let me just say, there's honestly three options here, okay? Let me walk you through the three. Option one is that you can be both. You can be rich. You can make a lot of money based off your chosen path and profession in life. You can have a really big shovel, but then you can also choose to show up, pick up the shovel, and start shoveling. And over time, amass a huge pile of dirt, a huge wealth. Okay. You can practice and develop skills and discipline that you need to turn those riches into long term wealth. That's option one. You can have both. Option two is that you might not be rich in society standards, but you can be wealthy. You're like Ronald Reed in that story, right? Maybe you know that based off of your life's work and your passion and your mission, you are never going to make six figures or multiple six figures or a million dollars in a year, however you define a lot of money and riches. But again, doesn't matter. Even though you might have a small shovel, you are still going to make the decision to show up And shovel consistently over the long run to build wealth. That's option two. And then option three is being rich, but not necessarily being wealthy. You have a big shovel, but you're gonna choose not to show up and not to shovel. It's just gonna sit there. The money is just gonna be spent on excess, clutter. It's gonna be spent in an attempt to build an image and to control what others think about you. It's gonna be used as entertainment. Okay, it's like pouring water into a cup. Where there's a hole at the bottom. The cup is never going to fill up because, regardless of how much water you pour into it, it's always just going to be flowing out on the bottom. So, those are the three options. You can be both. Option two is you might not be rich, but you can be wealthy. And option three is you can be rich, but not wealthy. And the choice is yours. But I hope that you want to pick options one or two. But again, the difference between options one and two, and then option three is the thoughts the feelings, the behaviors, and the long-term habits that you develop around money. And that's what I'm here to help you do and help you implement. And I think that for most of us, when we really slow down and think about it, and we're honest with ourselves, and we're all honest with each other, the thing that most of us want, more than anything, is not the stuff, okay? It's not the material items, but it's the freedom, the options, the flexibility, the control. Having control over our time, having control over our lives, being able to say yes to what we want to say yes to and no to things that don't serve us, to me, that is what truly feels amazing more than the stuff feels amazing. And when you really think about it, that is what wealth gives you. Wealth is what gives you options. Wealth gives you control back. It gives you the freedom to own your own time, to own your day, to own your destiny. Wealth gives you that. That is what financial assets not spent gives you. That's not necessarily what riches give you. There's a lot of people who are rich that don't have the freedom. They don't have control. They don't have the flexibility because they are spending everything they have on the stuff. Money spent gets you things, money not spent gives you freedom, options, and control. And really deep down, that's all any of us want. And my sincere hope for each one of you is to build wealth, is to be in one of those two options. You can be rich and build wealth. You might not be rich, but you can still build wealth. It is an option for every single one of us. Wealth is, regardless of our incomes. So that is what I have for you today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Again, please go buy the book, The Psychology of Money. I'm not like sponsoring this book or anything. I just really think it's an incredible book. I personally got so much out of it. I loved it. And I always say that money spent on knowledge and insight is some of the best money that you can spend. All right, you guys, have an amazing week. I love all of you so very much. Like I said, I'm here for you. I love you. I hope you're doing well. Have an amazing week, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's hundred percent risk free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.